This is Demetrius Hunter, and you're listening to I Am Justice, where we discuss Christianity and our God-given mandate to do justice. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And Lord, I will be with you even until the end of the world. But I heard the voice of Jesus and still to fight on. But I heard the voice of Jesus saying still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the unmistakable voice of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And in that he was preaching a sermon in 1967 titled Why Jesus Called a Man a Fool. In that sermon, he discussed the need to recognize our dependence on God in life. But specifically for him, he had to come to the realization that he had to know God for himself as he faced threats of death, not only to himself, but to his family as they fought for civil rights. And that excerpt, it was taken from the, the portion where he discussed those early days in the movement. And in, in that portion, he received a, a late night phone call where he was threatened with death and his house would be blown up if he didn't leave town. Now, no, no doubt about it. He was troubled in his soul about that call. But it was that call that night that caused him to turn to the Lord. And when he did, he indeed received encouragement and the resolve to keep fighting. And that's what he did in that sermon. He implored the saints in that church to depend upon Jesus at all costs and in all circumstances. With that being said, welcome to I Am Justice. And now on this inaugural episode, I wanted to lay the groundwork about myself and why I wanted to do this show. I felt a need to give the audience some contextual understanding of why I used that clip for my intro as I am indeed one engaged in the struggle for justice and I recognize my dependence on Jesus as this battle wages on. Now, this this isn't a new uh, battle for me. I, I can honestly say that since my childhood, I actually I always had thoughts on race, racism and unity in America and uh, our history in this country. Y'all, it, it resonated with me in such a way that I always desire to be a part of the solution to achieve equality in this country. Now, I, I had my own questions about justice and being black, which which children shouldn't even have to think about weighty matters like those. But, y'all, this is the reality wherever injustice thrives and people suffer. Um, we tend to think about those things or we tend to be exposed to, to things that we wouldn't normally be exposed to until we got a little bit older. And in glossing over my childhood, um, after I graduated uh, from high school, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. And I can say that uh, this is where my quest for unity began in earnest. Now, I got to meet different people from different segments of the country. And we got to engage in meaningful conversations about race while drinking old Milwaukee's best. Now, now you know, that's one heck of a beer. You also know that you got to be on common ground <laughs> if you're drinking some of the beast together. But so, suffice it to say, I have some wayward thoughts about how to achieve unity and becoming a Christian nearly 20 years ago. 
Y'all know at that time, I, I didn't feel like Christianity provided all the answers. Now, I was almost ready to turn from my new faith. I, I was convinced, like a whole lot of other people in this conversation is, is going on a whole lot today. But I was convinced that Christianity was the white man's religion. Um, but even in that, I, I can see and I look back now how God sent people to help steer me on the right track. Now, this came in the form of, of one person. Uh, who said that he used to be a part of the nation of Islam because this is what I was kind of flirting with. I'm like, you know, Christianity, white man's religion, it ain't the thing for me. Maybe I should explore nation of Islam. Uh, but this this person, I was actually in barber college at the time I was cutting his hair. I can't remember how we got to talk about this, but, you know, y'all know if you kick it with a good barber, y'all talking about everything uh, when you sit down in the chair. A lot of stuff is just straight up open game. <laughs> Matter of fact, sitting in that barber chair or sitting in that barber shop, I heard many things that I, I ended up being very surprised about um, from people uh, as we sat and talked. But nevertheless, um, this person, he he told me that what they believed in his words, he described that what they preached was hate. Now, I also received a book uh, from someone who was in the, the school with me because I was just discussing these things about Christianity, white man's religion, even though I had just got saved. But he gave me this book, a fellow barber gave me this book called uh, Race, Religion and Racism. Now, this book was written by Fred Price. And, and while many people would criticize him for his theology, that book showed me that as a black person, I was a part of God's story in the Bible. And you know what? That was a breath of fresh air for me since uh, most of my representation, which like a lot of others, most of my representation of Jesus and the biblical characters, they, they look more European than anything. For example, if you think about the beloved Ten Commandments uh, starring Charlton Heston, you know, we used to watch that every year when I was a kid. My grandma loved that movie and, you know, great cinematic work of art uh, uh, for what it is. Uh, but in that movie, most of the characters were white. I couldn't even re really remember any black people actually in that movie. Um, now, I had to go back and check, but I saw that uh, in in the towards the beginning when Moses was being heralded as his great military commander, he brought Ethiopians in uh, a subdued nation of Ethiopia uh, to pay tribute uh, to the Pharaoh. So that's one instance. The other instance that I remember is when uh, uh, the guy Dathan, when they were it was at the time of the Passover, they were leaving Egypt. He had four black servants carrying him on a chair. Uh, out of uh, out of the nation. That, that was the extent to what I remember uh, seeing black people in the Bible uh, as far as that representation was concerned. But even in our household, y'all, we, we had this uh, this picture of a white Jesus. And, and it seems like I remember us having a picture of JFK in our house, too. Uh, that may have been a common thing. Sounds kind of weird, but that's that's kind of what, what what was in there. And that's just some of the stuff that I remember. I had no reason at all to think that people like me were a part of God's story of redemption. And that is our miseducation. So moving on, um, after I got done uh, with Barber College, I began working in a barber shop. 
And in that barbershop, y'all, we had tons of discussions about race and justice. And of course, y'all, this, this wasn't just a chance for me to not only be laughed to scorn because I got laughed at <laughs> quite a few times for some of my stances. I, I just take that as, you know, a, a counter bearing the cross. Uh, but I also got a chance to offer biblical solutions to our concerns about justice. Now, my concerns about justice, because I was going to school uh, at the same time that I was working in the barbershop, my concerns about justice led me to major in social work. Now, I always love politics. If you ask my wife, she'll tell you uh, that I got a love hate relationship with politics. But what what my social work degree did initially for me was give me a frame, a framework of, of how to the cause for social justice can be fought for at all levels of government and making a difference in people's lives through advocacy and various social services. Now, being a Christian and pursuing this degree had its, its difficulties because the LGBTQIA plus faculty and some students, y'all, they, they used to bang hard on Christians. I mean, it was it was almost like we was the discriminated group uh, in that major. Uh, but and, and there were times where I had to say something about that. But God used me to fearlessly write my papers without hiding my Christian worldview. And by his grace, I did well um, in my undergraduate studies. Uh, but skipping ahead a little bit, my, my thoughts and concerns about justice, y'all, they never subsided. And I became an investigator for the state, uh, first in CPS, then in civil rights. And this is what I what I do till this day. I also pastor the church and by God's grace, we'll be planning or starting another fellowship sometime in a not too distant future. You know, you never know what what's going on now with COVID, but, but sometime in a not too distant future, this is what I'm looking to do. And for me, when I think about justice, especially while pastoring, y'all, I was I was leading the church at the time during uh, the death of Mike Brown and the Ferguson uprising. So during that time, I had to apply scripture to answers for the time we were in. And subsequently, I was also pastoring during the height of the Flint water crisis. And even as a victim, I had to search and apply the scriptures to speak to what I believe is one of the greatest modern day injustices that has occurred in this country. The Flint water crisis is a travesty. Um but as a result of my scriptural beliefs, my beliefs in God, y'all, I believe in prayer and I believe in protest. And I believe that the Bible is applicable to these situations. So now that you know a little bit about me, you know, I wanted to discuss the biblical framework for justice or kind of like what I believe is God's heart for justice. Now, I don't read a whole lot of scriptures about justice and what, what I'm talking about here is just a general teaching y'all it's not a seminary class but i wanted to make an initial establishment on where i was coming from regarding uh, uh god and justice now if you look in the old testament or if you study the old testament at all you, you'll know that there are two words that we normally associate with justice and judgment one of the words uh, has a sense of doing right or being righteous. And it's this word where we actually get justice and righteousness from in the Old Testament. Sometimes it's translated as justice. Sometimes it's translated as righteousness. But essentially 
what what we see from the text is that we should do right or we should do justice towards others. Now, this can be applied anywhere in our lives. Y'all, God wants his people to be right. Now, to to break this down, y'all know, y'all know what it is when you're dealing with somebody that's shady. Now, oftentimes in the hood, we would say stuff like don't mess with him or her because they ain't right or don't mess with them because they don't be doing people right. In marriages, we'll hear uh, uh, that he didn't treat her right or she didn't treat him right. And so whatever the case, y'all, the Bible implores the Christian to do justice or to be right towards others. It's something that we can't get away from. Now, the other word speaks to the to, to the fact that our judicial decisions or our laws and our ordinance should ordinances should be right. Now, this is where we get the word judgment from. When you see this word is often translated as judgment. This 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 means essentially that the laws we create and the judicial decisions that we make, they should be fair and not show favoritism to one side or the other. You know, that's a novel thought these days. It sounds like what people out here protesting about. But y'all, you can see in the Old Testament that that God would have a nation of Israel He wanted them to know and understand that your law should not benefit some and cause harm to others. And this is the way that he set up his system. Our our judicial decisions should not benefit some and cause harm to others. Our law enforcement practices should not protect and serve some and be the judge, jury and executioner for others. Y'all, our judicial decisions should be right And we should not take bribes or show favoritism to alter those decisions. Now, when we talk about making decisions, y'all, this can apply to uh, our families. It can apply to our jobs. It could apply in our churches. It can apply in our uh, positions of elected office. It, It applies when we're making and enforcing laws. It also can apply as a judge when you're making decisions to determine guilt, innocence, or what the punishment should be for any particular crime or or offense. Y'all, God is concerned about these things. Now, even going from the Old Testament, you can look into the New Testament and we see that that Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Why did he do this? It's because that they made sure to follow the rules and the traditions, but they couldn't make the right decisions concerning justice and the love of God towards people. They ain't care nothing about that. They were more concerned about themselves and holding positions of power instead of leading in a godly fashion. Now, by by their decisions and how they lived, they made life hard for others and they still in all this, they still maintain some pretense of righteousness. So if you want to think about uh, common applications of what I'm saying here, y'all, it's not enough. For us to say that we go to church is not enough to say that we pay tithes It's not enough to to give the charity. God, God is asking us, where is your love at? Like my cousin, my cousin, Dave, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, we would have many conversations. And one of his things that he would always say that God is wondering what your love walk look like. Y'all, that's what God is asking us. Because we can do all these things and not love people. 
Y'all, we could do all these things and not lead people in a godly fashion. So it's funny that in Luke eleven forty two, when Jesus, when Jesus, I'll say chewing on the Pharisees, because that's what he was doing. The, the word for justice there is crisis. Now, this is where we get the word crisis from. And, and if you do a Google search, and this is just under the definition for a Google search. But if you do a Google search, y'all, it, it, it defines crisis as a time of intense difficulty, trouble or danger. A time when a difficult or important decision must be made. And lastly, and the irony is thick right here. The turning point of disease when an important change takes place, indicating either recovery or death. Y'all, in so many ways, 2020 has been a crisis. Now, we face crises all the time, but woo, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this year. It's been one crisis after another. So what Jesus is telling us and what Jesus was telling them, y'all, when we make decisions, we should be righteous in the way that we make decisions. We should do justice in the way that we make our decisions. This this right here is a corrective word for the American church. Because for far too long, we have ignored justice. We've ignored right judgment. We've ignored the love of people. And now what we've done is we've substituted the righteousness of God for the love of power, the love of money and the love of self over people. And most of all, we substituted these things over God. So where do we go from here? Listen at this. This is a familiar scripture. And this right here is an example of when the words that I just previously described is an example when these words are used. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, I know we used to hearing that around Christmas, but this is a monumental verse. When we think about justice, when we think about governments, this is a monumental verse that shows y'all when it's all said and done with these governments. They are going to rest on the shoulders of Christ. And he will ultimately bring peace. And I got to make that clear because we can fight for many things and I'm down to fight. But Jesus is the answer for justice. And and if we are saved and we seek to emulate him, guess what? It's the Christ in you. That allows you to become the answer for justice when it's in your hands to render it. You become the answer for justice when it's in your hands to fight for it. You become the answer for justice when it's being denied for anyone, for any reason. And that includes the whole of humanity. Being conformed to the image and likeness of Christ It includes adopting his character of justice and right judgment. 
Matthew 12, 18, Jesus said this, quoting the prophet Isaiah. This is also the scripture that I got on the, the, the main web page for the podcast. But it says, behold, my servant whom I've chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Brothers and sisters, Jesus sought to proclaim justice, which occurred spiritually. Now, this was the culmination. This was the ultimate show of what it means, what justice really means. But Jesus culminated this idea of justice and mercy at the cross when he took on the judgment of God on our behalf so that our sins can be forgiven. That's essentially the gospel. The gospel is is full of themes and elements of justice. But even before Jesus got to the cross, he demonstrated. Listen, he demonstrated what justice looks like in the decisions that he made concerning the people that he encountered during his earthly ministry. When Jesus dealt with people, he treated people right. And y'all, it's, it's with that, that that I have to establish that justice, which is a lofty word, but justice does not belong to the liberal. It does not belong to the conservative. It does not belong to whatever your political ideology is. Justice belongs to the Lord. So when I when I say I am justice, And why I titled this show, I Am Justice, it's because that's the framework that I'm I'm working from. I'm working from a framework that establishes clearly that justice, true justice, is found in the Lord. Jesus at the cross provided us true justice by taking on the judgment of God for our sins. But Jesus also in his life showed us what justice looked like when he made decisions about how to treat people. So when we talk about being conformed to the image and likeness of Christ as the Christian, we have no excuse at all to ignore issues of justice. As a Christian, we have no excuse at all to ignore issues of justice, whether that be in governmental form or whether that be in our one-to-one relationships with each other. Doing justice is a biblical imperative. And it's one that we see from the old Testament to the new Testament. And what I want to do is build that out uh, in this show. As we talk about issues of justice. Now I'm, I'm going to engage in some social commentary uh, specifically about current events and things that's going on, particularly I'll be talking about politics. Um, I'll be talking about uh, uh, social issues. I'll be talking about various forms of policy. I may be even talking about uh, justice issues within the church because the church, we got a whole, <laughs> we got a lot missing uh, when it comes to this. But I want to explore all these things through uh, uh, this biblical lens of what we think justice is. And I want to explore all these things relative to the person of Christ, who he is 
and what he commands us to be as his representation, we should represent him well. So this is I Am Justice. Now that you know what we're talking about, hopefully you're looking forward to the next shows and we will be talking again. Thanks for listening.